Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast, the podcast for men who want to learn how to access the natural, authentic seducer inside them and also expand their lifestyle, even if they're an analytical, introverted guy. I'm talking with Alex Leon. Uh, He's worked with the company, The Natural Lifestyles, for the last four or five years, played many different roles, and we talk about DMT, how introverts can connect with strippers and form deep emotional bonds, even at 4 a.m., and also give a little bit more insight into what does it take for an introverted guy who works in a technical job to start to understand how to connect better with women and what is the roadmap that a guy can use without trying to learn pickup lines, without trying to remember funny things or try to be alpha. How can that type of guy create a a guide and a road in his life towards becoming his natural self, showing his true authenticity uh, and connecting with women. So we discuss all of that and more. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Hi, Alex. Hello, Liam. (laughs) So this is Alex's first time on a podcast ever. You're going to watch me take his virginity. And the topic that we want to discuss today is something that's affected both of our lives, which is the five principles of natural seduction. Uh, This is obviously the title of James Marshall's course, but deeper than that, it's actually the guiding principles that have made a big impact on my and Alex's journey into seduction and with women. And also, in some ways, an even bigger impact on our ability as coaches. So for those people who are watching at home who don't know who Alex is, uh, what do we say about you? Uh, What do we say about me? So I came into the natural lifestyles almost five years ago um, after a long journey. I mean, I'm from Austria, as some people already know. And through certain decisions in life I, I came across James's video about the three pillars of natural seduction that was the one a lot of people have watched back yeah in the that day. was the, the 21 convention speech yeah. and that was the first time for me on my seduction journey which wasn't even a seduction journey back then more like a okay there's that there is more to life than just uh, getting a, a job and, and trying to find your next girlfriend in a university you wanted to um, break out of the matrix yeah, like I, 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 I spent one year in Nicaragua and then realized, oh, there, I could actually seduce girls if I put in a little bit of effort. And that's when I looked up certain stuff on YouTube and came across James's speech. And then I was like, holy shit, finally a guy who doesn't give me like technical advice, you know, like if she does this, then you have to do this and always text back after x hours and write exactly those lines and when you walk up and blah 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 so already like principle based but i didn't even realize that back then Um, so that was just like your impression from seeing james speak was this guy seems different from the other seduction coaches i'm drawn to him absolutely like it was so clear uh i even remember in what room i was when i was watching this video (laughs) really yeah it was it was that clear and it was so clear that i really wanted to meet him like uh, as as soon as I came back to Austria, I, I prepared like a pitch for him, and all that 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 story you will see in another video how that turned out. Oh, that was your speech at the conference, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I cover all that in in more detail. But yeah, f- almost five years later, I'm here. 
Um, and basically, I mean, your role now has been coach, but also all the technical back end, all the web solutions, all the payment solutions. Now you're also part of the sales department. Um, basically, when Alex arrived, he's like, guys, there's like 87 things wrong with this company. You need to fix all of these things. And we're like, well, we don't know how to do them. And we're kind of like hanging out and having fun. So you can do them if you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I guess you, you would describe yourself as, well, I would describe you as someone who's very, what's that word? Hey, Adam, what's that word Jordan Peterson uses to describe um, <laughs> industriousness? Pull that up, Adam. Can, pull that up, Adam. <laughs> it's industrious and conscientiousness, right? You're someone who's very hardworking and enjoys the process of working on stuff. Definitely. I love building things. Like if it's Lego when I was very little or um, building my Magic Card deck when I was like 11 or 12. Didn't you start a business from Magic Cards? Yeah, I was. I was they were expensive. Like magic cards are expensive and I, I really wanted to get good cards. So I had to figure out a way to create an amazing deck. So I started trading cards. I was actually buying huge packs re at reduced price on eBay at 11. That's why my, my eBay name was Magic Alex 11. Um, and I was opening the booster packs and selling the gold cards at a higher price. <laughs> and that way I made like 500 euros when I was 11 and bought and kept all the good cards <laughs> that I had double and then beat everybody in school. <laughs> wow. Like I found creative solutions to, to, to come out ahead. Oh my God. I didn't know that. That's you. Well, you should be on the fucking Gary V podcast. This is the wrong podcast. One day. This is just the setup. <laughs> uh, you made me think of one other funny thing on the topic of James. Um, it's interesting that almost everyone except me and Travel Bomb who came into this company at some point saw James and were drawn to him because of, wow, I really uh, resonate with his message. And I never had that. Like I met him kind of by accident. And my first year of knowing him, I was kind of skeptical. Like, does this guy really get laid? Because <laughs> I never saw him with girls and I never saw him approach girls. And then the one day when we were on a TV show together, when I was a student, I was like more confident about approaching than him because I don't know, because he was going through some weird thing with his wife at the time. Mm -hmm. So I never had the feeling of like, whoa, James is this like God that I have to go and meet or whatever. I was like, okay. And then slowly, obviously we formed a pretty strong bond from like coming in, uh, me coming in without that level of uh, like hero worship, I guess. It's interesting because thinking back, I didn't didn't even think about, oh, does he get laid? Oh, I don't even see him with girls. Like for me, just listening to the way he talked was enough. Wow. Like that's, Maybe that's the other thing because you saw him when he was in the zone. Like he's at his peak of like accessing his full creative potential when he's speaking. That's like yes. one of his greatest gifts. 10 out of 10, yeah. So... I never saw him that. I, I saw him first right. in his lounge room drinking coffee and mm -hmm. and then I saw him uh, hanging out at the class and then I saw him being awkward on camera in front of the TV channel and then it was like, okay, you know. Anyway, I would love to go on a long Gary V tangent or a trip down the natural yeah, lifestyle. We can see from lane. the 87 things that were not working, the five things that were already set up. <laughs> the <laughs> working five principles. Yeah, so what I wanted to discuss with you, because I'm curious about in your personal experience and then later on, let's look at your coaching experience, how has this model of the five principles affected your life? So for those people who don't exactly know what the five principles are or how exactly they apply, like we're not hiding any of that information, like it's not some secret. So let's just name what they are and give a brief description and maybe you can give an example. 
of the five principles or just go through them? Yeah, five principles. Like do you, the example you were talking about before with the dance girl on the dance floor. Yes. So um, basically, we can go through the five principles quickly with this example or with different examples. So it starts with awareness. And it's split up in internal and external awareness. Obviously, you need to be aware of your surroundings first. Where am I? What's going on? If you see, for example, a girl, what's going on with her? Is she uh, walking really slow, looking at the architecture? Uh, she might be a tourist. You want to be aware of that when you approach her. Is she rushing with uh, three shopping bags in her hand, uh, clearly looking straight forward, not wasting any time? Okay, she's probably in a rush. You don't want to walk up to her and be like, hey, so uh, what's up today? You know, like she will be like, oh, this guy is clearly not aware of my situation. So that's the first principle, awareness. Yeah, awareness. Then we move on. If we do an approach, we want to have a certain intent behind it. That might be a sexual intent. That might be a friendly intent. In the framework of a seduction, yes, it should be an intent that makes clear, okay, I don't just want to be friends with you. Like that's what most guys are missing, I suppose. You know, like people might say, oh, I'm, I'm really good in social interactions and people really like me and, and girls, I, I can really go in long conversations. I have great chats with girls, but then they never text back and then they're surprised. It's because you're missing this intent. They they don't see you as a sexual masculine kind of guy. Is that, that how you could say it? Uh, and then you also have to be careful with that because I always say it's like spice, you know, like a food with, without any salt, without any spices, it tastes really boring, but you could also way overdo it and, and ruin the whole meal. It doesn't take too much salt or too much chili to fuck up an entire dish. Exactly. And it's the same with intent. You're not blasting sexual intent on her like for five minutes while talking to her. Yeah, that's one thing that I've noticed a lot in guys who interact with my coaching material because that's something I talk about in my product, the Masculine Touch Blueprint. And um, the guys often think that it's this dichotomy between you're either the super friendly nice guy or you're the sexual flirtatious guy. And they just can't imagine that there's somewhere in the middle ground where you can be a little bit flirty without being fully sleazy. <laughs> so yeah, having the right balance of intent. Absolutely. So the second principle, intention. Being able to project a clear intent. And then we move on to pressure and release. Um, Actually, Adam, can you pull that up? I don't know which order <laughs> they are inside in the course. Because I always, I always went uh, awareness, intent, pressure and release, emotional impact, decisiveness. Yeah, me too. But log into the course and check. Okay, so because uh, <laughs> I'm like, which order are they? Which Maybe. principle is which number? But I always think pressure and release creates emotional impact in a so way. So it should come first. Yeah, I think so. Right. Let's explain that then. So what is the pr principle of pressure and release? It's basically, I, I explain it from a, from a standpoint of, of a problem that students always have. They release pressure all the time. They're not comfortable in the moment. They suddenly start talking faster. They don't let any pauses while talking to a girl. They're constantly calling back, uh, uh, repeating back what she would say. They move a lot with their hands. Uh, they are not comfortable sitting in pressure. And that's a problem because it just shows that they're not experienced with girls, that they are, yeah, just not comfortable in the moment. And it's a big turnoff for girls. So what you want to do, that's the side of the student, is let pressure build up. Because that's the only way, in a way, to show her, oh, this guy 
can handle me. This guy is n knows what he's doing. Um, if he's already nervous here on the first uh, approach and the first interaction, how will that turn out on the first date? You know, will he constantly talk? Uh, will he ever relax? How will it be in the bedroom? Will he be really awkward mm. uh, when something unexpected happens? I think it's important for people watching this to understand that it's not about feeling nothing or it's not about not feeling pressure. Because from what you just sounded said, it sounded like some people might interpret that as, oh, I need to be completely chill when I approach. I need to be so calm. I need to just be totally smooth. And if I feel nervousness, then that means I'm doing something wrong. But like I've had plenty of times when I've seen a woman, I've been like, wow, she's beautiful. Oh my God, I feel, I feel overcome with emotion. Like, oh, and I want to go and approach her. It doesn't mean that that pressure and that intensity has to come out through fast talking and jokes and nodding i can just feel that and just slowly breathe and just just be like affected by her without being like oh yeah cool wow yeah so i don't want anyone to get the idea that you need to be neutral it's like you need to experience feeling what that awkward nervous pressure feels like of course you're not going to be totally relaxed when you approach a total stranger on the street like that's normal that's your body's way of like preparing you for this new social interaction and in some ways preparing you for sex you're seeing someone you're attracted to and aspects of your body that have previously been you know your, your brain allocates your resources for working or feeding yourself or washing yourself or whatever like to keep the body alive and suddenly it's like no now send all the resources to the dick <laughs> for the reproduction thing and it's like that creates turns on all kinds of engines in your body that maybe you don't always access so you're always going to feel some intensity when you approach obviously over time you can get more and more relaxed in that situation but if you feel nothing then you're kind of doing something wrong you should feel something it's about what you do with that feeling whether you let that feeling overcome you to the point that you're either completely closed down and you can't approach or you let that feeling overcome you to the point where you have to let the pressure escape in the form of talking really fast or, you know, being nervous or trying to be journey, jerky guy. That's the thing that uh, really makes a difference. So don't think you have to be dead. So emotional impact, why is it important? Because she needs to feel something. Right. But how is that different from... This is an interesting discussion, actually, because this is the topic of what does a woman need to feel to feel attracted? What does she need to feel to feel a connection? And what does she need to feel to fuck someone? And like the typical narrative that society gives you is men will just fuck anything and a woman needs to be in love and in a relationship to have sex. Mm -hmm. And that's a very extreme polarity. And there is some truth to those general trends. Those things are cliches for a reason. But there is also a lot more subtlety. Like a girl will fuck a guy that she met five minutes ago if she feels attracted in that moment and make another guy wait five months before she'll fuck her because of how, how she's emotionally impacted by the situation. So the emotion doesn't have to mean deep love and trust. The emotion could be an intense feeling of passion or a feeling of unbridled ecstasy or a feeling of jealousy or a feeling of like competitiveness where she wants to compete for another girl with another girl for that guy and then fucking him is like the reward. So the emo or, or it could be like, for example, on a more extreme example would be like a status thing. Yeah. So like trying to pick the hottest guy at the party and fuck him to prove to the other girls that she's the, mm -hmm. that she's the famous one. Or even in our life, which has been relevant recently, which is not so relevant to the guys watching, I guess. <laughs> or like wanting to fuck the famous guy. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the point is the emotion 
has to be intense, but it doesn't have to be deep trust, intimacy, and love. It can be all those other it things. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Right. And I think we're going to talk about this in a moment, both of our experiences with actually realizing we do need emotion during sex, even though society tells you as a man, you can just you should just fuck any woman. And it's like, there's elements of truth in that as well. But what a lot of guys realize as they go deeper into the seduction journey is they want to feel something for the person they're fucking. Again, even if that is just a sense of trust or a sense of comfort, mm. even if it's with a stranger. Uh, I mean, I literally wrote my first book about having sex with strangers in under an hour of meeting them. But in every one of those seductions, the emotion that both of us were feeling was a sense of collaboration. It wasn't like we were like facing away from each other and pumping. It was like, we're going on this crazy adventure together. Like we're, we're teammates. Like there's the whole world out there, sexually judgmental society, and we're the rebels who are on the same team against that system, deciding to make our own pleasure in this moment a priority and being the heroes of our own love story. So like that's still an intense emotion is like uh, romance. And the thing that's so interesting or was interesting for me when I first got in touch with emotional impact that I thought, oh, that takes time, right? Like you get to know someone over a long time, over many dates, meeting, and then you have an emotional impact because you really connect, you really find out about that person. So what was fascinating to me about James's approach is that you can do it within minutes. You can approach someone, uh, and if you ask the right questions at the right time and then relate to that person or responds in the right way they're like oh wow yeah this guy gets me um and not not even faking it like the amazing thing james always says like interesting people are interested they interested ask, in others interested in others yeah they ask interesting questions because they are generally genuinely interested in people they're really curious like that's i think a part of what makes a good seducer like actually care about someone Really? And then, yes, an emotional impact will happen if you actually care and, and go deep inside a person's personality. Right. So in some ways, it's about removing the layers that stop you from being that authentic self. Mm -hmm. Like allowing yourself to access your own emotions and your own authentic core and let the person in front of you see that. Um, okay. And the final principle is, Jamie, can you pull that up? Adam, can you pull that up? <laughs> I mean, we know what it is. Decisiveness. Yes. So, well, what is that? And actually, maybe let's tie all of these together in the example you told me about the, the nightclub. And, and uh, we'll finish with decisiveness. Cool. So, I, when I was thinking before this podcast about the five principles, I reminded myself the amazing thing about them is they apply in every seduction. Like, it, no matter if it's a seduction that happens over a long time many days many weeks even or even five minutes but then i thought wow what if you are in a nightclub you're on the dance floor and you recognize that a girl is looking at you so you're aware oh there's a girl looking at me right so first principle awareness yes your awareness of your external uh, situation so you you look back at her and you look back at her in a certain way. You're not like straight up nervous or you're like shaking. You're like, okay, you give a little look. You're like, okay, I see you there. Maybe a little cheeky smile. So that's ex second principle, expressing intention. Yes. Which is and even there you're already, I guess, creating some type of pressure and some type of emotional impact, right? Because often that's the, the second beauty of it. It's a bit interchangeable. Like 
when you talk about yeah obviously they all yes overlap they all overlap because they're working it's not together. a clear structure yeah it's not like you're like okay like, now i'm in the awareness up. stage and now i must proceed to the uh, intense oh stage. no i made pressure before intent oh yeah. i fucked it up <laughs> and um, that's the thing that other seduction systems really miss is they think that there's this linear process that happens that's the beauty of the five principles is that's why it's principles right and not yeah. techniques yeah they're like they you, you're looking for elements of them in every in every interaction so you're on the dance floor, you've had awareness, you've showed an intention that you want to flirt with her or that you've received yes. her message. Then, you, and then you're creating an emotional impact with her by looking at her in that way. Mm-hmm. You're holding the pressure on her. And then what do you do? And then you walk up to her and you could do many things at this point. You could introduce yourself, you could just smile at her, you could invite her for a dance non-verbally but you could also just like stare at her for a few seconds and really let that pressure build up because at this moment if she keeps holding that eye contact if she keeps smiling back maybe she's like touching her hair a little bit um it's clear that it's a romance you know that she's not uh looking for a friend so if you are aware of that too and you can hold that pressure it's it's really gonna be really sexy and then and it can happen and it happened to me you could lean in and kiss her <laughs> you could pull that trigger you could be decisive you could take action and it works sometimes and that's a, an example like this could take 20 to 30 seconds and still all of the five principles are at play here right and that's uh it's a kind of making me nostalgic because I can still remember a time where that sounds like magic, yeah. what you just said. But for both of us, that's so normal for us now. It's, well, like, it's still magic for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like magic yeah. as it happens. But yeah. I mean, in terms of not it feeling like a magical experience, but being like something that seems impossible. Right. Like I couldn't imagine approaching a girl and kissing her straight away. And then obviously I lived a lot of experiences way crazier than that since then. The direction I want to move in is sharing experiences from your life where one of the principles really was at play in a seduction and where it guided you to take things in a different direction that if you were just trying to figure it out yourself you would have been completely lost because that's one of the beauties of having this type of model is it's like you're either a coach who teaches natural game which means do nothing that just means the person doesn't know how to actually package what their takeaway from seduction is or you're someone who teaches super linear uh seduction tricks uh which is like you know say this and then when she says this say this and then when she says this say this that's also overwhelming for a lot of guys they don't want to have to like remember pick up lines or like try and come up with some clever reply and then there's this middle ground of the natural lifestyles five principles style where you have a direction you're moving in you have metrics that you can actually measure and i use that when i'm coaching like i'll ask a guy when he comes back i'll be like how aware do you think you were just then of how she was feeling how clear do you think your intention was and did she receive that how much emotional impact did you actually create through that conversation or did you just talk about the weather you know mm. how much pressure were you able to sit in and hold on her did you pull the trigger by asking for the number and you know then they're able to assess themselves on like oh even though that didn't go great, I can see that on each of these principles, I'm making progress. 
So I'm becoming the kind of guy that's able to embody these seductive principles and live them. I'm seeing a gradual improvement on all of these. So, I mean, we wrote down some examples before. Right. <laughs> well, let's start with the crazy story. Alex picks up a stripper from the strip club and Ooh, takes her yeah. home. Wow. Um, and I guess for the record, it's kind of ironic because we don't, we never hang out in strip clubs. No, it was like, I think that was my third time in a strip club. And the first time I spent more than 30 minutes there. Because <laughs> usually I just like, yeah, what this am I doing This is awkward, here? I'm leaving. Yeah. This is an interesting story because you're out of your comfort zone. You were not in a place where you're used to. And also, in some ways, like back in the day when the seduction community began, a lot of guys would try and use, I picked up a stripper as some kind of status thing. Like, oh, I picked up the chick who gets paid because she's hot, therefore I'm cool. And I guess the, I want to just, before you tell this story, point out that the reason you were able to pick her up was because you didn't see her as that. You saw her as a human and you're like, okay, she does this job, which is dancing. I like dancing too, whatever. And you were able to like emotionally connect with her as, as a person first. So yeah, I don't want anyone <laughs> to get the impression that me and Alex hanging out in strip clubs every week, trying to figure out ways to pick up strippers. We just, the reason we ended up there was because it was our last night in Australia and all the female coaches that we work with in Australia were like, let's go to the strippers. And we we looked at each other. We we're like, we just spent last week in the forest taking a sacred ayahuasca ritual and abstaining for sex for two weeks. And now all these girls want to go with us to the strip club. Like, why not? Let's go and try it out. It's fun. Yeah, like, let's, let's be open to new adventures. Let's not be judgmental. Let's just go hang out. Which of the principles... Tell the story and try and uh, include which principles you think were at play there. Right. As far as I remember, okay, you organized a get-together. We had a few drinks at our place, and then we all decided to go to the strip club. And that was cool. We hang out, girls dancing. We just had a chat about what happened. Like It was after literally three weeks of intense emotions, like first five days of, of an ayahuasca retreat of our uh, secret elite program that we we did there. And then two workshops literally back to back right without a single yeah it was day. eight days of coaching yeah eight days of coaching which is really intense like eight days of coaching is intense imagine 10 days coming soon the year of tour <laughs> we have a 10 day coaching program but I think it's actually sold out right uh, Jamie can you pull that up <laughs> <laughs> it's two spots left I think on the September on the first one. one. Oh, it is yeah. true okay and two then spots the, left for June and I think 10 spots which left is still crazy like we are already selling the september one yeah. yeah oh fuck james just walked in the door and i just realized we, we, <laughs> we, we keep making the um jamie can you pull that up reference to the joe rogan podcast but i realized you are jamie like i, I keep calling adam our camera technician jamie as a joke but now actual jamie is here oh no it's hi, so jamie. confusing hi guys um, I'm just the guy that checks facts online, obviously. Is that, <laughs> is that the joke? <laughs> anyway, back to the strip club, Alex. So, back you walk to the in. You've, so, you've, you've what I was saying, it was three weeks of intense emotions. And I was, to be honest, I was in a strange mood then. Like, the ayahuasca was still, like, doing its job. It's still doing its job. Um, what was the and, cocaine doing? Oh, did I take cocaine that night? <laughs> Are we just admitting uh, online to the thousands of people that we take All these illegal crimes. substances? I'm a good guy. I, I started taking drugs only a year ago. Uh, and I'm already quitting them. We're already like, this sucks. It's, yeah, cocaine. It, it actually, I want to go on record saying I don't like cocaine and I don't recommend doing it. Not because it's like 
drugs are bad or whatever. I'm like, party, have fun. If you know what you're taking and it's safe, do it. But I don't think there is actually much positive benefits to cocaine, even if you are intending to have a drug experience. Like there are plant medicines like ayahuasca and DMT that can teach you a lot. There are, you know, party drugs like MDMA, which can make you feel lovey-dovey and open. And then there's just this white powder, which has been glamorized by like 30 or 40 years of Hollywood telling you that it's cool. And all it does is make you anxious, jittery, alert, not able to sleep, want to talk all the time, sweat sweat weirdly, and then like not be able to get a boner when you finally get a girl in bed. Mm. And it doesn't really make girls horny either. So I don't really recommend cocaine. If you're going to take drugs, take MDMA. Mm. Uh, Anyway, back to, so you did take a little bit of cocaine that night. Drink responsibly. Yeah. And you're in, in the strip club. So I'm in a strip club and okay. And, and Everybody's wait, wait, I think the thing that I cut you off on before was you were not in a crazy let's rage party mood. You were a little bit spaced out and like... like Yeah, I was, I was happy just having a day with my friends for once. You know, just like Dom was there, you were there. New, I made new friends. Like I was actually enjoying just having a chat with my friends. It's one of the ironic things about being social coaches is we have to actually schedule in <laughs> social time after you know a ten day period of teaching other people social skills. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. okay, uh, Monday two p.m. Let's lock it in social time to relax and enjoy each other's company. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I wasn't like you said. I wasn't in the oh I need to get laid oh strippers oh sex like I I was very outcome independent, which obviously came in handy later. So okay, it was a big strip club, two levels. So at some point, everybody was chatting and the guy I was chatting to talked up a girl okay i didn't want to like just walk in on him like hey how is your conversation with this girl you're trying to seduce going so i was like cool i will just walk around a bit so i walked upstairs and uh there was this beautiful girl on this couch and she looked a bit tired she was on her phone so i just said hi like very disarming in a way you know and I don't remember what I said, but basically what what I could say as advice is out of my experience, those kind of workers like hookers, strippers, not to put them all in one part, but basically people who are paid to be beautiful or paid to be sexual, I think out of experience, what they told me, every guy asks the same question, you know, do you like your job? Uh, How do you like they trying to connect, but they do it in a sleazy way. They're like so how long have you worked here yeah how long work did you enjoy it uh oh you're so beautiful you 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 should do something you should do modeling why do you do this like they're trying to be charming but the girls see through that bullshit really quick so i don't remember exactly what i said but probably i just talked about something completely different so literally not referring to her job you know not not straight up putting her in that box right so you saw her as a person first yeah and the stripper second and that's that's a really meta level of awareness that's not like situational awareness that's like cultural awareness of who is this person what is their background what is their experience as a human being so far what is their experience as a woman on the receiving end of a lot of male attention being so far and how can i differentiate myself from what every other guy is doing Mm -hmm. so then you're talking to her and i guess the other big principle would have been emotional impact right actually maybe i'll tell this part of the story because what you told me the next day blew my fucking mind and it's changed my life for the last three months like i've thought about that almost every day since then Mm -hmm. so and keep in mind this is me as a 10-year dating coach as a professional still 
having the ability to get my mind blown. What does that tell you? Either I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> and I'm a giant fraud and I haven't really learned anything or something that James often mentions, which is the beginner's mind. So this is even when you are competent at something, even when you have been learning and teaching something for 10 years, you want to maintain the beginner's mind, which creates possibility for you to learn something new and admit that you don't know everything. So, you know, I could have easily not questioned you about that seduction and been like, oh, whatever, it was probably a fluke. Oh, the new guy came in and picked up a stripper. But I'm like, tell me, what was your experience? Like how, I've never picked up a stripper in a strip club. How did that happen? And uh, so that's a really good attitude that I recommend everyone, all of you have for life, for every area of your life. And so I was really curious. And what Alex told me was, he said, I was sitting there next to her having a conversation. And And I was even sitting... I, I could have sit next to her, but I said the opposite side. Like I, I left her a lot of space straight right. from the start. Yeah. Right. So again, awareness of physical mm-hmm. distance and positioning. Right. So you, Alex said, I was sitting there and I was channeling what I felt during the ayahuasca, which was a need to pull my breath down into the lower part of my lungs and just keep myself centered in my body. And every breath and before every action or movement or words were spoken, I would ask myself this simple mantra. Is this action for me or for her? Am I benefiting myself by doing this? Or am I doing something that's helping her? Uh, Is this my desire to reach out and touch her so I can touch the body of a stripper? Or is this going to make her sensual experience of interacting with me feel sexy? Uh, Am I about to say this thing about myself because I genuinely want to share something about who I am and I want her to understand the truth about me? Or am I trying to brag or say something cool or try and affect her in some way? And that blew my fucking mind because I guess it, it made me realize like, wow, that is a really powerful, simple metric. I guess the beauty of it is in the simplicity because mm-hmm. it's like, because it applies outside of seduction. It's like anything you're doing. And I mean, this is something that I'm still dealing with as a spiritual transformation is because I'm so extroverted and because I get so much energy from performing and talking to people. And that's what makes me an amazing coach because I really want to engage people. I really want to talk to them. I want to like get them excited about the thing I'm excited about. Um, You know, like I'm so inspired about what I can share with students when I'm coaching them that I'm like, your future is going to be so amazing like i'm like they can they can feel oozing off of me this positive energy this aura of like absolute clarity of what is in their future if they stick to this uh discipline of pushing themselves outside their comfort zone uh and so all of that is like the positive side of my extroversion it's like i'm excitable i'm really enjoyable to be around I make students get infected with that energy. I can see what's in their future when they're dwelling on their past. Mm. And so like that's obviously makes me a world-class coach and I'm I'm very aware of that and grateful for that. However, the flip side of that is I have a tendency to get so caught up in the excitement of the moment that it becomes more about the fun that I'm creating than actually considering how I'm affecting the other person. So in a coaching environment, obviously that has a really powerful effect on the other person because there's this exchange set up where they're there to receive that energy. But I have a tendency in other situations and sometimes even in seductions where I'm 
putting out that energy and it's not what the other person wants to receive in that moment. What they would rather receive would be stillness, calmness, like listening, uh, allowing them a space to share, allow, allowing them to relax without being bombarded with this fucking intense Liam McCray energy. <laughs> I realized like, wow, I'm missing a whole spectrum of how I relate to people. And it's not that I never do that. It's that you do that way more often than me. You're able you're able a lot faster to drop into that awareness of how, what does the other person need out of this interaction? And how, how much of it is about me taking something in terms of taking the attention, taking the, I mean, even right now, I'm fucking doing 80% of the talking. In the <laughs> That's what makes me a great podcast. Host, yeah. right? No, wait, actually, someone roasted me about that in the comments. Like, you, Liam, you're a shit host. You should shut up and let the guests talk. <laughs> nah, I think you're good. Okay. Especially you... The thing I told you, you couldn't. I couldn't have told it in a better way than you did. Like right. the breathing and uh, being aware. And the, right. maybe that's coming from the right place. Makes me a good coach is that I can take other people's wisdom and uh, explain it in a way that's digestible. So anyway, that blew my mind, and that is, I guess, I. I'm, I mean, I'm going to interview you now. <laughs> I'm curious how. What did that feel like, moment to moment, and more importantly, what actions or words or movements did you catch yourself about to do and then when you were about to do them but you asked the question does this serve me selfishly or does this actually serve our connection which of those things did you stop yourself from doing it felt new to me as well like i i was never that aware of being that present and trying to like it wasn't trying to control my movements but being at this meta level of wow i'm about to do something but i stopped myself from doing it yeah just being totally meditative and present like it was a new feeling for me as well i guess that's why i brought it up the next day like when you interviewed me like i know maybe if you wouldn't have asked me i would have just forgot about it you know as well maybe i've done it in the past but i didn't realize that that was actually the thing that got me late maybe i did it in the past and i thought oh i don't know she was just her second week in Australia and she wanted to get laid or something uh, and, and brushing off the actual training that I did through with James doing meditation being aware of the principles being aware of all that so what I'm saying it was a new experience for me as well right. and so what were like some it was like the it's, desire to touch her the desire to brag it's basically okay when we are still in the you gotta have your mic like this so mic the like this. Podcast to it. it's good yeah so yeah in front well, of my mouth okay thanks Jamie <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Adam. Adam. <laughs> yeah. um, so when we're still in the strip club, we're just talking upstairs. It's like four in the morning. She's, she's tired. Um, like I mentioned before, wanting to ask the standard questions, but catching myself like, why do you want to ask that? Do you really want to know how long she's been a stripper? Are you trying to create a connection? You know, Do you think like, oh, that's the question she wants to hear right now because she can answer it or something? Like, yeah, straight from the start, like, do you, does she want you to sit next to her right now? Or does she need 15 minutes with one and a half meters distance and seeing you being relaxed and not totally engaged, also in a weird mood? Like, does she need that space right now? Um, yes, she does. Absolutely. Like, you're a total stranger and you trying to like straight make a connection body to body sitting next to her being like all cuddly when there is no port before obviously not the right move it's pronounced rapport, rapport. <laughs> well then, should i skip how, how i got her out of the strip club because mm. it's 
You asked yeah. her to come and smoke DMT, right? Yeah, basically. Whoa. <laughs> you ever smoke DMT? <laughs> that, that's the line. <laughs> yeah. All of you guys need to get DMT now and you have to have it at your home. And <laughs> oh no, are we, are we changing the market in certain cities now? Like changing the price because thousands of people suddenly, <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> price of DMT skyrockets. You think yeah. Joe Rogan asking Elon Musk if he's ever smoked DMT didn't affect the price and no, suddenly we- little podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, yeah, we talked about okay, so spirituality, you, smoking, psychedelics, psychedelic experiences. Because um, we had just done the ayahuasca trip. Yes. Which, if you are interested in plant medicines, James is offering a warrior training in August, natural warrior on his farm. More details will be released in the coming weeks. But if you're curious about plant medicines, you're going to want to keep an eye out for uh, the warrior training because... I legally can't say anything about that on this uh, platform, but let's just say if you're curious about plant medicines, you're going to want to tune in for more broadcasts about the warrior training. Mm, very good. <laughs> um, and again, I didn't do it from a space of authority or, oh, I did this thing because I'm cool or something. It's like, okay, I didn't know at all about psychedelics a month ago, and now I know a little bit, and I'm very confused, and I cried about my mother. You know, I wasn't like, yeah, I'm a pretty cool guy because I take... Uh, ayahuasca and psychedelics yeah that's what you do to grow you know growing is really important nowadays like i didn't try to be that guy because again what does it really benefit me or her being that guy it just kind of puts a block between us where i'm like suddenly the authority and she's not because she didn't try any psychedelics so one one thing while walking out that i remember is again being aware that it's not allowed or not good that a stripper leaves with a client so to say and i just understood that straight away which again maybe proves oh i have experience with those kind of girls which is obviously important like you should show in a way that you know what you're doing at certain points right especially with those kind of girls you know like mm -hmm. sure but that's kind of obvious like yeah i think everyone knows that <laughs> so so basically you left before her you made sure you didn't leave i, I made sure that we don't leave together yeah. So and and almost non-verbal. I'm like, so when you're gonna leave? She's like, uh, 20 minutes. And she's like, I'm like, cool. I'm gonna be out in 28 minutes. And she's like, oh, cool. He gets it. You know. Right. He's not like, cool. I'm just come to my table and we leave together. <laughs> um, Bye, boss. And she like, as she walked out, she tapped me on the shoulder. I like gave her a nod. And then uh, 10 minutes later, I left. I called her just because she gave me her number upstairs, and she was waiting around the corner so her boss wouldn't see her nice. so that obviously plays a part so we come to my place and then i make like i basically still do a step of escalation because if i would now just keep going on talking and talking um yes we would end up maybe ranting the whole night about traveling and and psychedelic experiences so i do I do small steps of escalation. So I right, so the fifth principle decisiveness yes. being the kind of guy who's able to move the seduction forward in whatever way. Mm -hmm. But always being ready to fail because I guess most of the time you do escalate and she might say verbal or nonverbal, no, not yet. And that's a huge, what principle is that? Like being okay with rejection. <laughs> I will talk about that in a moment because I've got a really good example from our students where we can talk about decisiveness. But finish up just how you ended up sleeping with right. her. Right. So I 
prepared a couch so we could both lay down. And I tell her, come lay next to me. And she comes and we both lay down. But I'm waiting, you know, I'm not like trying to get my arms around her shoulder straight away or pushing her to me or like touching her up and down, trying to make her feel comfortable. Um, I'm really just laying there and doing this breathing thing again. And I'm really like, okay, she needs me to be that guy right now. She needs me to show that I can be slow, that I don't need her. That's the thing, that I want her because I clearly want her. Like right, that. so that's the second principle, intention. Mm -hmm. Like your intent is I'm attracted to you and I'm willing for something to happen, but I don't have the intention that this has to happen or the night is fucked. Mm -hmm. Like I'm completely okay with it not going well. Yeah, basically my life is already awesome and I love being with you, but if you wouldn't be here, it would still be good. Like that's the kind of space you have to create. So I'm laying next to her and then she starts touching me a little bit. And that's when I realized, holy shit, like I have so many experiences with girls and still there's so much I have to learn. Like how often did I really give the girls the space to seduce me? You know, like it feels amazing for us men to seduce a girl and to conquer her and to get her in a way. Like it must be the same for a girl as well a little bit. Like it must feel good to turn a guy on, to make him breathe more heavily to make him aroused but we as men we're so often like hungry to get to the next stage of escalation because it is our job in a way uh, if we wouldn't consistently practice the five the fifth principle many many seductions wouldn't go anywhere that's a fact but yes leaving that space for the girl to be like yes i want to seduce you too i want to make you feel good too was very like uh, a switch in my brain and so I let her seduce me okay then I respond we touch each other we touch each other more heavily basically when I'm aware what body part she's touching I'm like okay I'm, that's getting sexual I kiss her I stand up and just take her to the bedroom without saying anything so that's the decisive moment it's like you have the emotional impact of her allowing her the space to have the emotion of oh I wonder if he's going to like this. Mm. I'm going to touch him like this. Let's see if I can turn him on. And then you having the decisiveness to go, okay, cool. She's reciprocating. Let's go and mm. make this happen. So, yeah, that is because, and that's, again, we talked about emotional impact at the start, not just being deep trust, love, romance, intimacy, you know, super vulnerability. It can be also that. It can be giving her the ocean of excited, anticipated confusion. Like, how is the date going? Like, does he like me? Does he think I'm funny? Is he responding well to my touch? Like, does he want to kiss me later? Are we going to fuck tonight or not? Did I shave my pussy for nothing? Like, if you are too full on and you're showing way too much interest and you're too aggressive with your touch and you're not leaving any space, you rob her of the gift of feeling those emotions. You don't allow her to, to wonder and hope and get excited and have this sense of mystery. And you could even say this is just a simple bit of texting advice. That's why we say don't double text a girl because it's the same thing. You, If you are the one texting her way more than she's texting you, then you're again robbing her of the experience of, fuck, he didn't text back. Was my text not funny? Do I need to send a meme? What should is I... with someone else. Yeah, is he with another girl? Did he forget about me? Yeah, maybe he lost his phone. And the thing that people say, oh, but that's mean, you know, like you want to make her feel bad, but it's not true. Like, you, you can explain it better than anyone else. Like, she needs that. It's not a negative thing that we do to her. It's not, 
How would you describe you're, it? You're giving her the gift of excitement. Mm-hmm. You're giving her the anticipation that makes the seduction interesting for her. And by texting her straight away when she texts you, you're actually depriving her of that. Yes. You're deleting a whole spectrum of the seduction that is really necessary for a lot of women, which is anticipation, excitement, the building up, the tension, the foreplay. Like It's like the same during sex. If you just go straight into putting lube on your dick and putting it in a pussy, that's like you missed all the buildup, which for many women is the part that allows them to feel the most relaxed and opened. And this is like the foreplay is starting even with the texting. Not that you need to be sexually texting her, but you need to be creating a space for her to wonder and hope and desire. Mm -hmm. And I guess the reason it is counterintuitive is women will complain about that. So they will verbally say, I hate it when this guy doesn't text me back. And then the nice guy, he is person that I look at as an angel who seems like she's innocent and charming and harmless and, you know, my special queen who could do no wrong is being fucked over by this bad fuck boy who won't text her back and is being treated badly and she's telling me that what she really wants is a guy who would just text back straight away and how frustrating it is for her when this guy just keeps ignoring her texts well i will never (laughs) treat a woman in that kind of way i will text back straight away every time and i even find myself falling into this bullshit Uh, me too (laughs) i had that a little bit when we were in helsinki i was like oh i need to like show her more that i care and like, like, what am I doing? Like, that's the, that if you really ask the question mm. of like, what creates the most excitement for her, what makes this seduction the most intense and exciting, it's not texting back straight away. It's giving her those little moments of jealousy or confusion or not being sure. And uh, I mean- And the, the crazy, you are also robbing her of the experience to firstly like conquering you in a way, but the better word is even like she needs to test you in a way like especially now in our life where we deal with models like very attractive girls like they only have so many options to really test a guy uh and by testing i mean okay is he living in abundance you know or is he reactive if i if i don't respond straight away or if i ignore him for a little bit and so in a way if you constantly text her back straight away you're not passing the test you're showing again i need you it's not like I want you or it's not like I really like you, but if you decide to leave my life, I'm fine too. It's clear up showing you're the mm-hmm. only option I have. You are out of my league in a way even. Like you're so hot that I need to constantly text back to hold on to you because if you leave, then all I'm left with is sevens uh, to say it like that. So yeah, that's another angle to that. Yeah, let's move on and talk about decisiveness because I want to give an example that I often tell people during our live workshops which is the mindset that a lot of guys come into our workshops with is that every time they make a move so the fifth principle decisiveness is any moment when you have to make a move Mm -hmm. approaching a girl asking her number asking her out trying to hold her hand the first time trying to kiss her trying to bring her into your apartment trying to take off her clothes any of those moments it's like you're responsible for making that decisive escalation attempt towards sex or romance or intimacy or whatever. And a lot of students come in with the, that's like where uh, it's either win or lose, mm-hmm. right? You mean like 50-50, like a coin yeah. toss? Like basically that 
either the escalation works and you get the result oh. or it doesn't work and you're totally fucked. Right. You, like, you, you look like a loser. Right. <laughs> it's more like it's a win-lose black nothing. and white thing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. So that's the mindset a lot of guys operate from, which is this simple idea that I'm on a date. If I try and kiss her now, maybe it works, which is awesome. Or maybe it doesn't work, which is a complete disaster. I look like an idiot. I've totally fucked up everything. The date will be ruined. She'll think I'm a loser and I don't have a chance to win her back. And this, I don't want to risk fucking this up because it's the second date. And, you know, I, I did the texting right and I wore the nice clothes and she seems to be liking me. And if I try and kiss her in this moment and she turns her head, all of that work was for nothing. And I have no girls left in my life and I'm back to square one and everything's fucked. And so that's the dating example of why guys will often have fear around decisiveness. They think that any of those moments is like, if I ask her out, if I go for the kiss, if I try and sleep with her and it doesn't work, then I'm fucked. And the shorter example we see on our live workshops is guys doing that in a 30 second approach. So on the first day, we get them just saying hi to strangers, getting them social, getting them open, and they'll go and say hi to someone and the girl will say hi and then the guy will be like looking back at us like she said hi what do i do now i'm like say something else <laughs> like, uh, what's your name and then you know start getting to know her okay uh my name's liam i'm from australia they strike up a conversation and surprisingly well not surprisingly for us but often for them the girl's just like cool a confident normal guy in the middle of the day who's not drunk who seems like he's a little bit nervous because i'm because it, it takes balls to approach a stranger on the street but he's here. I'll yeah. I'll talk to yeah, him. Yeah, that's for the a other minute. thing. Like girls are not. They don't have a checklist of twenty things with them at all times. Oh, he fucked up step six. He's <laughs> out. You know, like they're like, oh yeah, he's he trying. Approached. Yeah, he's trying. The confidence, the fact that he's trying, is worth something. And so then these guys are in this moment where they're like, whoa, this is working. Like holy shit. And then they get to this point where they're sort of like, ah, oh, and they think it's they've run out of things to say. And obviously on day two, we teach them that that whole mindset of a conversational attitude is wrong there's no such thing as running out of things to say like if you're thinking of it in that way it's like you don't actually understand what a conversation is and you've never <laughs> met liam because <laughs> well, i can never run out yeah. of things to say <laughs> but yeah but to, to put that in a normal introverts language like i know most of you guys are um the point of a conversation is not to think of things to say mm. and you don't have a finite amount of things that you need to spend during the conversation. They're not like little tokens, conversation tokens that you need to spend and then, oh, I'm poor now. I wish I was rich like Liam with his big, <laughs> big bank vaults full of things to say and like I'm just broke. The reality is a conversation should be an exchange of ideas between two people and basically the way I explain it is like this person sharing their truth and this person is sharing their truth and seeing which one of those things they connect on and which ones are different and how those two personalities can interact so students on day one don't usually know that yet they haven't learned our very graceful and uh advanced conversational frameworks and they get numbers anyway amazing <laughs> no, huh? this is what i'm talking about <laughs> they do but the, the reason I want to talk about the fifth principle here is that often what we see is a guy's in that situation. So picture this as you, right? You've just approached this girl. You thought you could never approach a girl on the street, made it to a TNL workshop and you're like, fuck. And then she's saying stuff and you're saying stuff and you're asking how the weather was and she's saying, how long are you staying in Budapest? And you're saying if seven days and definitely not for a pickup workshop. And then she's like, okay. And then what a lot of guys do in that moment. And I, I wonder if you can relate to this is having this moment of, I don't know what to say now. 
I'm a little bit frozen. It's going so well. And I mean, I don't really know this girl and I'm not sure if she likes me. So I'll just leave it there. So they'll be like, they'll leave and they'll come back to us as coaches. And then what do we do? We make them run up to the same girl again. <laughs> and they go, what? <laughs> uh, but it, w it was going so good. Like, I don't want to fuck it up. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like what's in their mind? In their, like you described, like in their mind as well, it's going well, so better leave now because the next step would be decisiveness, closing, going to the next step by asking the number, asking a number Facebook, whatever. And, and in their head, it's like, oh, well, it's going well. I don't want to fuck it up, so I better leave it there. <laughs> But obviously, that's the worst you could do. Like if, if you're, like even if you would fuck it up. No, no, no. Talk about like, why it's the worst you would do if it would work. What do you mean? Like, obviously, they should go and ask the number. Yeah. Right? That's what I mean. But if you, that the worst is not asking. Right. I mean, even, even if it goes wrong, at least you tried. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. Why, why is being decisive a good idea regardless of the outcome? Because it's the only, like, what's the alternative, basically? Like, if you think about it, you have to be decisive. Like, and it starts from zero. It starts from doing the approach. That's actually the first decisive thing you do and, and often the hardest in a way. Because um, yeah, once the you're in, you, you, for those you of you momentum. at home who have, haven't done approaches on the street and you're thinking maybe I should do that, that's the hardest part, and that's the good news because it gets way easier once you've done the yeah, approach. Yeah. I I remember like before I came to TNL or during that time when I was starting, I was I was literally terrified of saying like <laughs> just a little side tangent. My first uh, touch or experience with actually like pickup content was a thing a friend of mine illegally downloaded on torrent and it was like a 30-day challenge i think it was called the devil's challenge or something and it was like 30 days and every day you had a new challenge but you weren't allowed to look at the day after so you okay you started day one and i think it was say hi to 10 people and i was like okay i can do this and then day two was like say hi and ask for the post office so indirect approach to get into the social momentum And I failed at day four. Um, and day four was give a compliment to five people. And it can literally be cool shoes, dude. Like, <laughs> I think it wasn't even, didn't even have to be women. I don't know. I was terrified. Like, really? That's how shit I was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, if so, you want to see how good Alex is now, you can look up Alex Leon Infield. He just put out a video of him picking up girls in the streets of Barcelona. So that's a five-year transformation from I can't even give a compliment to a stranger and walk off to I can pick up girls on the street. Yeah, which is so cool because I remember that every time I coach and I'm like, you're going to be fine. You know, like just follow the process, just trust the process. Like I've been there. I was highly overthinking everything. Like <laughs> what if this person sees me saying cool shoes to a guy? She will think I'm a loser. <laughs> like All those thoughts in my head. Like now it seems so ridiculous because I don't give a shit anymore. But uh, it's good for me to come from that place and to relate. Um, so what I'm saying is, even if 90% of the time you would fuck it up, it's still the thing that's going to get your results in the long term. And not only that, every time you do it, it kind of crushes your ego a little bit more. And the thing that's going to make you a better version of yourself is going out of your comfort zone. That's just how it is. Like it's, it's a cliche, like seek discomfort, yes, theory, blah, blah, but it is true. Like every time I've done something that I'm not comfortable doing, being it doing a podcast with Liam or <laughs> doing an MMC speech or talking to a girl or doing 
any of those things, whatever it is, jumping into cold water, taking a cold shower, it made me happier afterwards. The shortest, smallest principle, because it's often just one single action, but without doing it, all the other principles are kind of useless. Is that what you're getting at? Like yeah. that it's, it needs to be that whole circle? Yeah, that's a roundabout way of saying that. And I guess the, the thing that I want to share is the transformation I see of our students on our workshops is they enter with the mindset that I don't want to risk ruining the entire seduction with this one moment of decisiveness if I misread the situation and it's wrong. And they leave with the feeling every time I take a decisive action, I'm becoming a decisive person. So it doesn't matter whether it worked with this girl or that girl. It's about being the kind of guy that is decisive. So that is a huge reality shift because you go from, I don't want to fuck up the delicate seduction by asking for the number to asking in itself is the outcome. If I ask for this girl, so when we do send them back, if you remember back to, they've walked away from this girl that they had this cute cat chat with, we go, go ask for a number and they go, oh, and they will have excuses like, I don't think it went that well or I don't think she likes me or I don't know, I barely know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're like, so what? Go back and ask anyway. It doesn't matter whether it works. The outcome we're looking for here is not getting a girl's number. It's becoming the kind of guy who's confident enough to ask. And that is, as Alex said, a life skill that spreads to all other aspects of execution in your life. Uh, And then, of course, what often does happen when they go back is... They get a number. (laughs) Or another thing that just popped in my mind is like, they might ask, oh, do you want to go on a date tomorrow with me? And the girl is like, no. Fair enough, you know, like she doesn't know him. And then he comes back and he's like, okay, I tried. And I'm like, well, she still didn't really reject you. She just said, tomorrow I don't want to go on a date with you. So go back <laughs> third time <laughs> again and say, I get it. You're really cool. Let's just be friends on Facebook and see where it goes. So right. then he's like, oh, no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> And then he comes back and then sometimes gets a face when he's like, oh, wow. Like they, they, they understand. Oh, okay. There's, on, there's not only one way to be, to pull the trigger, to be decisive, you know, like again, it, it comes, it, it circles back to awareness. Okay. She said no to this ask, like, hey, do you want to go on a date with me? She's like, no. Why does she say no? Am I aware enough of her emotions? Like, yeah. Is it because well, I'm a giant loser and she hates me and I'm creeping yeah. out or is it because she's not ready to jump that far with a stranger yet, yeah, she but she literally open knows nothing about me. She knows my name is Jim and I've been in Budapest for two days and I have a nice sweater. Like that's mind blowing for people too. Yeah. I, and I, I love that. It just allows them to realize that in some ways the woman wants you to make more decisive decisions than she's going to say yes to. So, coming back to the idea you said about like a woman has to test you to see what you're really made of when you're put under pressure to see can you handle the pressure if you for example try and kiss a girl on a date and she turns her head the moment that five seconds after that are actually equally if not more important as the moment of leaning in for the kiss because she's watching can he handle the pressure of this moment is he going to get either reactive and say oh well fuck you you're fat anyway or is he going to get really withdrawn and be like oh my god or is he going to become really apologetic and be like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm a male feminist or how dare i try and kiss a girl (laughs) who's on the second date with me and and already held hands with me and you know uh or is he going to take the message which is what is often the message when a girl turns her head not now not yet maybe later like it's not a definite no it's like "Mm, right now 
I don't feel like it. Right. So for guys to have that relief of like, and and also even some, I, I don't know necessarily whether women would do this consciously, but some women definitely would do this consciously actually specifically say no just to test the guy to see how he's going to handle it mm. and for a guy to realize oh cool this is an opportunity for me to display that i can be respectful that i have the balls to make this escalation attempt that i can be decisive if i want to that i can show her yes i'm a man i know what i want i'm willing to go for it i'm not apologizing for my sexual desire however i'm also very aware of your boundaries and your level of comfort i don't want to make you uh, feel pressured to do something you don't want to do. Uh, I respect your the boundary that you've drawn, and I'm okay with it. And w- what it, what do you think is a woman's experience when she sees that combination in a guy? Well, basically, she can finally relax. You know, like she lives in this space of uncertainty, and then she kind of like I've mentioned before, she has to put up those shit tests, how some people call it, but I don't think it's a shit test. Like it's it's almost necessary for her to feel safe. Like she needs to set up those little challenges, however you call it, early on to see, okay, what if I'm in an actual intimate, potentially dangerous uh, situation with this guy? Like, okay, if he's already cannot handle me saying no to a first date or me straight up giving out my number, how will he handle when we are in bed, both have our shirt off? And he's really hard and, and I'm somewhat horny, but I, I don't know, I, I just realize I'm not feeling like it or I still think about my ex or something. And then while he's 100% sure, oh, it's going to happen, we're going to have sex. And then I, as the girl, say no, how will he react then, you know? Like, so she kind of needs to create this history or this, this security to know this guy yeah. can take a no. It's, it's kind of a safe mechanism for her. Yeah, it's a way for them to test the guy. Imagine if the girls knew the principles. That's what I used to imagine. That like girls had a clipboard in their mind and like they were ticking off like rating performances. Um, which is funny because that actually is how. I mean, I mentioned this before briefly, but maybe help me flesh this out. Let's give an example of a guy we're coaching and how we would use the principles. Like how we actually use the principles on a workshop. So oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tell you a story, an imaginary mm-hmm. story of a guy doing an approach, and then together let's break down each principle and see how you would score him out of 10 and why right so he approaches a girl and for those of you watching at home or listening you can also play along and try and see what you think the guy would rate on each thing the girl's sitting down uh reading a book the guy uh, approaches and says hi i can see you're reading but i wanted to say you're beautiful and she says oh thanks he looks up and they introduce each other they start talking and two minutes later that's two whole minutes he sits down okay and they start talking and he is laughing a lot at his own jokes uh he this is how the conversation goes so what book are you reading uh it's a book called lolita oh lolita i've heard about that yeah there's a film made about that right yeah uh oh cool yeah so uh do you like other books yeah i like reading books um I mean, I like the Harry Potter series. Oh my God, me too. Um, my favorite one is the third one. Right. Okay, cool. So that's the proportional rating of how the conversation is going. Mm-hmm. And then he says, anyway, um, I've been looking for a book buddy, someone to you know trade book names with and you know talk literature. So do you have a Facebook? And she says, yeah. And then he takes her Facebook and walks off. 
So let's let's go through each principle and see how this guy rated because overall it was better than nothing. He right? ticked all the boxes. He ticked yeah. all the boxes yeah. on some level, but mm-hmm. there's definitely room for improvement. So how did this guy score highly on awareness and how did he score low? He approached a girl. She was reading. He said, I see you're reading, at least somewhat relating to what she's doing. Okay, he's aware he didn't straight up walk hey, you're beautiful. Like he at least had some pausing and and showed that he's aware of the situation. Then you could obviously make it more precise, right? You could say, you look so relaxed reading that book. I was really wondering, oh, that that story you're reading must must really be drawing you into. And I was really curious about that. Uh, Mm. It looks beautiful, this whole image. Hi. You know, like you could... Embellish the... uh, Like show more that you were really drawn to her. Not just like... Hi, I see you're reading. You're beautiful. Like then, it almost seems like an excuse you make to talk to her, right? Uh, or it seems very generic or learned or pick pick upy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but he saw that she's reading. So he's he, so far he's doing pretty later. good on awareness. Let's right. say he's at like an eight What out does of 10. it tell us about him? It well, tells how does it affect the awareness score? I I think it brings it down a lot because basically, I mean, it's it's awkward if if you really picture it. He's standing in front of her. She needs to look up, maybe into the sun. He's way taller. It's kind of a weird zone for her. She feels maybe intimidated, even uncomfortable. She's from this relaxed, chill mood, reading her book, to finally, uh, suddenly needing to look up to this guy. Obviously, he's not very aware of her situation there. And and also, what is the like the mood that it sets? What is the emotional impact that has on her feeling of re- in relation to him? Uh, not equal he's stronger he's like dominating her and also just like a sense of disconnection like even if he's very friendly and relaxed it's still like friends don't sit like that you don't go over to your friend and stand over them Mm -hmm. and talk you would just sit down so I would say his awareness score comes down to about a 5 or a 4 out of 10 he started at an 8 and plummeted and I would say his we're skipping ahead a few chapters but his emotional impact score goes down to about from from like a six or a seven by talking about the book down to like a three out of ten mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like okay you uh the emotion you create in her i guess is disconnection yeah or a feeling like he of doesn't distance. get it uh, and like a the implied strangeness like we, cl- we clearly don't know each other and his body language reminds me of that every second like oh it's a stranger oh it's a stranger whereas if he would have sat down then it's like okay cool it's a now I feel like he's my friend at least. Right. Okay. Next principle is intent. So obviously, his intent on the approach was pretty good. You're right? beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like I like your shoes. That would right. be very not showing why you're here. It's like I'm always telling guys there's only one reason why a guy would run down the street and stop a girl and be like, I had to stop you. Your shoes are so cool. <laughs> the only reason is if you're. I don't know, Kanye West and you're working on your next <laughs> Yeezy line and you're like, wow, where did you get those? I'm really trying to get inspired for my next Adidas release. That's the only reason. Like, And girls know that, of course. Anyway, so, so he was showing point, some intent. The point Alex is making is if you're going to compliment a girl in her clothes, you have to compliment her on her in the clothes, yeah. not the clothes. Yeah, Otherwise, but- you would be approaching gay guys every day and asking <laughs> them where they got that jacket. Uh, okay, so he's played a little bit of intention, and then where did he lose points with intent? By trying to connect not 
with her feelings, emotions about the thing, the book, the movie, but with the thing. So, oh, that's book. I know that book. Oh, that book is about this thing, right? It has a movie and it has came out in 215 and the author is this guy who grew up in Portugal. <laughs> and, and that's how a lot of people think they're connecting. Like they talk about comic books with a girl or, oh my God, you like that same anime as me or, oh, we like the same band. And they talk about the band, mm. not about how she feels. And it feels so right, I guess, because that's kind of how guys talk. Right. Like if I talk to a guy about uh, SpaceX, Rolexes. well, <laughs> about SpaceX, like I'm highly emotional and I know if he knows SpaceX, he's emotional about it too. Right. So it's kind of like, it works for men, you know? Because the talk emotion about is the, implied. Yeah. The reason you're interested in beca is yeah. because of passion. So I don't need to ask him about, oh, how does SpaceX make you feel? I already know, because it's probably exactly the same way. It <laughs> like We all want to go to Mars. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's why it's so tempting to to talk about things with girls as well because mm -hmm. that's how guys often talk you know right how did and it make we, you feel when ronaldo <laughs> <laughs> we tried to tell him but they didn't listen they didn't listen there's <laughs> <laughs> been like eight references to joe rogan elon musk podcast in uh, this one podcast <laughs> you haven't seen that when they talk about ai oh yeah he's, he's like, like so sad and depressed him, but they didn't listen we tried to tell the guys don't talk to girls about bands and music Hang on, fact check and it turns out uh, alex jones and right they did turn the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So Alex Jones, a fact check, done. Uh, and Alex Jones tried to tell him, but they didn't listen. Didn't listen. They didn't listen. <laughs> I, I didn't see them. Okay, so where were we? So there? we were at talking about books and movies. Yes, so he's that's lost where, points that's, of attention. That's where he's losing her in a way. Right. That's where she's like, okay, it was a brave approach. Uh, okay, finally he sat down. Oh. Yeah, was his intention to get to know me or is it to tell me facts about the Lolita author? Mm -hmm. And then even when he closed her, it was the same thing, which is, again, a little bit of confusing, like sounds like sounds like a conflicting advice because we would say close a girl with a reason, like I like that you're into this or we should go and do this together. But the fact that he said specifically, I'm looking for someone to talk about books with, mm -hmm. not like... I'd love to meet you again. I want to hear what you think about books. It's just like, I need a book buddy. It's like, go on a book forum, then you fucking loser. Why did yeah. you approach her? Like, you can go on Reddit, Reddit slash book buddies and find someone there. <laughs> um, it needs to include some kind of personal connection. <clears throat> so his intention's a bit all over the place. So it goes from you're beautiful, which is a seven or an eight out of 10, down to like four or five. Is he putting any pressure on her? Uh, he's releasing a fuckload of pressure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Elaborate. You described how he's constantly jumping in, right? Like right. Yeah, yeah. She would say. Yeah, like she would say. The third chapter is. Yeah, really, like the third chapter. Yeah, my right, favorite yeah, too. I yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> when the yeah. Which so one? When the guy with the girl in the, the, the train station. The train yeah, station. So yeah. good. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. It. <laughs> so that um, type of speech is obviously a huge tension killer. What does it tell the girl about the guy? It tells her he's not confident right now, and not only he's not confident, he's not comfortable. He he actually doesn't want to be here. Be and here. Framing it through the the prism of the pressure and release principle. How is she like experiencing him? Wobbly. <laughs> Wobbly. No. Floppy. Floppy. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's one of my new favorite words. Right. Floppy. Floppy. He's floppy. He's not masculine. He's not confident in his own skin. He is floppy. Right. <laughs> 
So yeah, he can't <laughs> handle pressure. If he can't handle yeah. that pressure, how is he going to create sexual tension with her? The emotional impact is obviously again comes back to the way he, his body language that i think stood. that's the worst on the whole like he basically doesn't do it at all like yeah sure well even she, the body language was bad that he created the emotion of we're strangers mm-hmm. and then and then he didn't touch on anything related to her at all like he didn't really find out anything about her and she didn't find out anything about him right they he both just traded facts yeah like they both talked about, I guess, a book that is a bestseller. So he's in one pot with 500 million other people. <laughs> cool. You like Harry Potter. Wow. Actually, Adam, can you pull that up? How many Harry Potter books have been sold? And then divide by seven because there was seven different books. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Like trying to make a connection over a very generic thing. Yeah. So she's having a conversation with a very generic guy and... Well, not necessarily. She thinks he's a generic guy because yeah, he can share in, in, her, his in her point of view. He's she doesn't know. Like he, she might like she gives him a chance, obviously, um, but she gets disappointed. Right. And by the way, this is like I made this up based on ten years of coaching. I see this very often. Guys approach confidently. They get a good reaction. They get into what seems like the start of a good conversation. They literally wait two or three sentences and boom, they're closing out and getting out of there. And I'm like, dude, you barely started getting to know. What the fuck are you doing? Like, oh, I, I got I got a Facebook. Like, they're all proud of themselves. I'm like, okay, like that's it's definitely progress, but there is a lot of room for improvement. And the main thing that I see guys doing is leaving early because they can't handle the pressure. They want to leave on a high note rather than take a risk your closing becomes the new comfort zone because yeah. they just learned how to close like they didn't do it the first five approaches and then we made them go back right and then like oh cool that's a thing that gets me out <laughs> then liam doesn't say to go back again because i tried <laughs> they're um, escaping the wrath of the yeah. coach by making sure they at least ask for the yeah. number <laughs> um, and so that's their new comfort because that ends the uncomfortable conversation or the trying to yeah, hold pressure, make an impact. So better just close it. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't have to think of more things to say. I just say the final one, which is can I have your number. And to be clear, we're not roasting our students. Like, how would they know? Yeah. Who, who would tell them? Like, that's the whole point of our job, right? Like, you don't learn it in school. You don't learn it in books. You don't. Your parents don't tell you. Well, I imagine you had parents who teach you that. That would be dope. Yeah. Maybe not though, because then I wouldn't be have this cool ass job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Isn't that fucked up? It's like you know the pharmaceutical companies want people to be sick because otherwise they wouldn't have a business. Right. Like I, on some fucked up level, need people to need coaching. Right. And there was a lot of conspiracy theories actually that like the early PUA companies were also connected to like Monsanto and poisoning the water <laughs> and de- decreasing testosterone in the fucking food and like creating porn addiction to create a market so that people would want to buy PUA products. I'm like, you think there's a multi-billion dollar <laughs> corporation? Have you ever met PUAs? They're the laziest <laughs> person in the world. <laughs> I don't think they could even yeah, yeah, like, like do business created, deals with Monsanto. <laughs> can you guys fuck up an entire generation of men so that we can just run this uh, six, seven figure company <laughs> yeah. with your $10 billion? Uh, how much is Monsanto worth? Pull that up, Adam. And you didn't tell me how many Harry Potter <laughs> yeah, boxes what's been up? sold. Five hundred million. Copies. You said that exact number. I Roll said it back. That. Pull that up from this from this podcast. Pull it up. Five hundred million. <laughs> it was five hundred million that you said. Yeah, in a pod with five hundred million. Yeah. Did you know that's how many Harry Potter books have been sold? I'm pretty good with numbers. I can kind of sense them around me. I don't need to know them. Myself. You're like that fucking meme where the lady has all the yeah. shit, like the 
populated. Editor put it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's two memes. There's one with the lady where she's confused, edit. where she doesn't know. And then there's the one with Zach Galifianakis when he's learning poker and he's be- trying to become like the guy from um, Adam Pull Up the Movie with Tom Cruise. With we shouldn't the- give him too many edits. The podcast needs to come out tomorrow. <laughs> so I mean, Pull it. Oh, fuck. Uh, what is that movie? Rain Man. By the way, oh, Rain Man is not actually that. about poker. It's mainly about two brothers forming a bond and one of them has mental illness. It's actually a really beautiful story. I thought the whole movie was like a guy with autism just fucking making it rain in Vegas. <laughs> it's like one scene. Um, anyway, where were we? We were talking about the student and we were rating him on emotional decisiveness, impact. emotional impact. Uh, yeah. And then decisiveness was good because he got the Facebook, mm-hmm. but bad because he used it as a way to escape the pressure. Yeah. So... What I normally say to guys when they come back is I give them all that feedback and it's really easy for them to, to digest all of that because it's related to things that they just experienced themselves doing and it's giving them a totally new perspective on how they could exist in that interpersonal interaction without complicating it or making them think there's some other very different thing they need to do. It's like you just need to adjust your levels of each of these different things. So instead of standing up for two minutes, take a seat. Instead of asking five questions about the book, ask two questions about the book and one about her. Instead of leaving after 30 seconds, leave after three minutes mm. or 10 minutes. And they're like, oh, cool. And that's why we see such amazing results with guys in just one week because they go from I'm making all these simple mistakes and I have no roadmap to because I now know these five principles, I'm able to see these are the types of errors I'm making and feel myself doing them. And it gives them a model for analyzing what they're doing wrong. And I mean, we do typically find a lot of our audience are really analytical guys uh and that's but they don't want to be stuck in that analytical mode so it gives it's like a a melding of those two worlds of like being natural and being authentic and staying uh in an actual connection with someone and being able to analyze how could i deepen that connection and remove the yeah that totally circles around that to what i said at the beginning like the genius for my the genius about the five principles that it is kind of a roadmap it is a bit techniques but also totally not mm. like it's that's why it's worked so well with our clients so you and with myself like yeah it's like it 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 puts a logic on the whole thing um because other people might tell you just be natural but like what does that mean like we're not naturals like <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be here right like right. and that's the beauty about the five principles that it gives you a natural way of understanding what a natural would be doing. Yeah, and allows you to be your natural self and instead of trying to add fake behaviors, it's removing the shit behaviors, mm. the compensatory behaviors you learned That's true. from society or from your parents or from school or from bullies or whatever and just get to the core of who are you when you're not your nervous self? Yeah. Who are you when you're your true self? So that I, I love giving guys that feedback because then they, they can see, oh, I'm actually making progress because the reason I bring up this example where we analyze an approach based on these five principles is I've had many coaching sessions where a guy has had five or six approaches in a row where maybe he tried to get the number and he didn't. And then he's like, oh, this isn't working. Everything's fucked. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, It seems like girls just don't like me. And, you know, let, let me know in the comments if you've had that where you've been out to try and push your comfort zone. You've attempted to get to know girls. You've, you know, approached maybe 20 girls in a day and you got nothing. And it feels like you're walking away from that empty handed if you're looking at it from the short term point of view of I'm going on this mission to get phone numbers. 
But if you're going on the greater mission of personal transformation and your goal is I want to see myself gradually transforming into someone who is natural and authentically good with women, then these principles are the exact thing that allow you to track that over a longer period because you can come back from a day of 20 rejections and go, okay, my awareness was gradually increasing. I was seeing earlier whether the girl was interested or not. Uh, My ability to show intention was getting better because I'm able to just tell a girl you're beautiful instead of saying, um, I like your dress. My ability to you know, attempt to have an emotional impact on her is increasing because I'm asking personal questions. I'm not repeating back what she said or or I notice myself repeating back and I know I need to do less of that. And I, out of those 20 approaches, that's 20 times that I pulled the trigger and I was decisive. And out of those, I asked for the number on 10 of them. So it's like, did I have a waste of a day where I got rejected 20 times and I'm a loser? Or did I have a really productive day of practicing these vital core foundational underlying principles that I'm going to use for the rest of my fucking life in every <laughs> social crazy. interaction yeah. that I ever have until I die. That's a huge point. Like it works with guys as well. It works yeah. at business meetings. It works at dinners. It works with anyone. That's. Can you uh, think of any like baller negotiation example right now? Well, I can think about it literally last week. I was... The Lambo guy? The Lambo guy. <laughs> I was coaching a guy in on the streets of Budapest and then suddenly there was a Lambo and... In Budapest, you don't see a Lambo every day. You know, it's like, it's a rare sight. A Lamborghini is a very fast type of supercar, if uh, people don't know that. Some people don't. All right. So I saw a Lamborghini. Some people say Rari, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? I had to watch that (laughs) Vice documentary to learn what Rari means. Rari. Um, And I've never done this before, but I was just like, I don't know, I guess I was in the mood, and I was teaching this guy, so I was in approaching mood. Um, So I was walking up to this guy who was standing next to the Lambo and I started a conversation with him and I was aware and I like didn't show sexual intent but (laughs) showed like okay I want to connect with you like from a equal level and basically he gave me his number he contacted me uh, later in the evening like hey I'm I'm at this bar do you want to hang out I'm here with my buddies so uh, I came to him and we had a long conversation and I basically let him do all the talking like I asked good questions and then I shut up mm-hmm. and then I asked him, whoa, that must feel like this and that. And he's like, yeah. And then blah, blah, blah. he went on another five minute rant and he was so happy. You know, you could really see how finally he could open up to someone. Mm-hmm. Like I had to be the one because it was like after midnight and I was really tired. I was the one who actually, because I was really interested, obviously from a networking perspective, like I wanted to get to know him. Okay, a guy, like he was... He's in like his 30 thirties, yeah. You're like he must have something interesting going on yeah. if he has a supercar like that that this young. Exactly. So he's either renting it to look cool, or he's a trust fund kid, or mm. he's an entrepreneur like us, and he knows something that we don't know. Exactly. Because like, why don't I have so, a fucking Lambo? Yes. Actually, I could buy one now if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, it's that's it's even often more exciting for me, like connecting with guys who have a crazy business journey, or are entrepreneurs, or hustlers. That gets me just as excited as as meeting a beautiful girl. So, yeah, I had to cut it short. I was like, cool, nice chatting with you. Let's talk soon. I really need to sleep now. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so, I told so him. So, you had an awareness that people probably just want to use him for his car and you showed him, I'm curious about the person behind the car. Mm. You showed an intention of like, I want to actually get to know you. I'm not trying to like get free rides from you. I mm. want to know who you are. Yeah, we almost didn't mention the Lambert Hold. Like, we talked about ayahuasca. Right. 
Wait, you need TMT, guys. <laughs> That's just, um, we talked about ayahuasca. We talked about... Imagine DMT gets legalized and we can like put a link in the description. Oh, <laughs> like CBD oil or whatever. We talked about like internet scams. So yeah, we didn't talk about like money or, or business or... Oh, and you were decisive because you nearly didn't get his number, right? And then you had to run back or something or... Whatever it was, you made sure that you got his contact details. Yes. So that's another example. If you've gone out and approached 50 women and asked them all for their number and every single one of them says no, uh, but suddenly a week later you're in a business situation, for example, tell the story of how you fucked up when you got into first class. Oh, I hate that story. (laughs) So I was, I got like a free upgrade on an Emirates flight and I was in the bus for only first class people it's like a whole bus only with like eight seats you got it through a family like thing your brother's a pilot right yeah um just in case anyone thinks tnl is just flying first class i said it's a free upgrade like i paid economy price for a first class ticket luckily and so this is a huge bus with only eight seats because like huge leather seats and there's this guy and we just landed and i'm like good flight and he's like yeah really tired trying not to sleep because blah time zones and i'm like cool blah 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 so we get to chat and basically he's like yeah i'm Are you chatting this- about rolexes no we're chatting about media agency design freelancers so we're totally on a level like he's like oh yeah i i create designs for big brands and i always need web designers and i'm like yeah i i I'm trying to build a web designer team in Budapest. He's like, cool, give me your number, blah, blah, blah. So he takes my number. I was like super excited. Oh my God, he's closing me. Wow, finally. You know, so I give him my number and I'm super happy. He leaves the bus, see you, all the best, have fun in Dubai. And after two minutes, I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Like after years of, of, of day game where it's so such a like obvious rule, never give the girl your number because she will never text you. I make this exact mistake with a guy <laughs> and I'm not taking his number and I've never heard from him again. Of course. And that's yeah. that could have been a $2,000 deal. That could have been a twenty dollars or $100,000 deal, right? Yeah. Like who knows? Sure. If if he had been using you to source other words. And, and your point was, was pretty smart. Like the moment that I don't close him, he probably lost respect of me. You know, he's yeah. like, oh, this guy's not a closer. How would I trust him with a business deal? Right. So the, the, the reason I didn't get his number was maybe the reason he didn't use mine. Whoa. You ever smoke DMT? <laughs> <laughs> that is deep though. Uh, Fuck. Um, yeah, because he sees, okay, this man is not decisive. If he can't figure out, get my number as well, mm. how is he going to figure out fucking, how can I trust him with thousands of dollars exactly. worth of contracts? Yeah holy shit so we all fuck up it's fine yeah so that's why you need to become the kind of guy who and since that you learned a lesson and you made sure you decisively got the lambo guy's number yeah, right yeah i right. called myself straight from his phone right uh, yeah wow i think that's a good place to wrap this up so we've seen how the five principles have affected us in our personal lives we've seen how it affects our own interpretation of how we coach and it's also seen how our students have taken that and applied that in their own lives uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Let us know in the comments if you liked hearing Alex's perspective, hearing more of the business side of TNL, hearing his journey, because it's quite different from me and James who were like both followed a kind of similar musician outcast in high school, rebels, alternative hipster loser kind of people then learning how to get girls. Alex had a, a many, many different points along his seduction journey that i think mm. adds a new perspective so if you want to hear more about alex on the podcast let us know in the comments yeah i read every comment <laughs> <laughs>
Cool. Okay, thanks for listening. See you guys next time. If you listen to this whole podcast and you thought, these five principles, they sound pretty interesting. I think I need a bit more of that in my life. And you want a course that can show you how to actually understand what they are on a deeper level and begin to apply them with homework exercises, what do they need to know, Alex? Uh, they need to know that they can either come on one of our expensive workshops. Which costs five figures and up. And are almost sold out this year. Or... If you can't afford one of those. James Marshall did the, did you guys the favor <laughs> and he created the Five Principles of Natural Seduction online course. The first version rolled out three years ago and since then there were many, many modifications. Uh, hundreds of people signed up and I think we have a refund rate of under 1%. Like basically nobody's asking for a refund. Uh, only the guys who want to rip the content and put it on torrent and, and resell it. But... I mean, I should mention that. People no, it's true. <laughs> if you try that, we're going to find you and there'll be consequences. Um, it's an amazing course. I remember editing it the first time, like when I was still in the position of, of editor and film guy. And I was like, holy shit, I get paid for watching this? <laughs> um, <laughs> this was mind-blowing. Like everything finally made sense. You know, I was like, okay, girls, I don't know. I talked to them and then, whoa, there's this genius mastermind, James Marshall, who just made those five principles <laughs> put them into very very smart I don't concise know, cons concise structured videos that are easy to listen to and to follow to and then he also added some missions so i can go out and apply it in the real world and then he puts it in a video course that i can watch uh, but not only watch but also get results in the real world mm -hmm. like that's how i think all of our online courses are created in a way that it comes with a homework part, a mission part, a real life try it out yourself part. Yeah, of course, because yeah. we could give you endless videos, but obviously what the intention behind a course like this is to get people moving in the right direction, to get them out of their comfort zone, to get them changing the way they think and changing the way they interact with the world. And a huge part of that is also the Facebook group, and which is already really active, right? Yeah. Because, well, can you explain why? Well, by now, hundreds of people signed up and they... During the last three years. Like, yes. So... And the, the group is still active. So that's a group of men that go through a very similar or same journey as you do. You know, they have the same kind of struggles. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be looking us up, wouldn't connect with the, the mission and, and story that TNL is telling. And so that's a, a big group of men. And the beautiful thing about all of our Facebook or live groups is that we create a space where everybody can really be honest and open and raw, right? Like there's no judging, there's no uh, putting each other down or I'm the alpha, you're the beta guy and, and you need to learn and you, you suck, you're gay, whatever. That's absolutely a no-go. Like we basically, we, we don't have, we to, don't we don't have, have to. to block those people because <laughs> they don't even enter the thing. That's the beautiful thing. So that's that's a great part. And then on top of that, you get the chance uh, for a very cheap price to actually ask James questions. During the webinars. Yeah, there are five webinars uh, every week. You There's a live webinar with James where you can ask questions. And that's the best, easiest, cheapest way to get Is in touch Is it five webinars? Him. It's not three? It's definitely four. 
Wow. It's five. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, my mind just got blown about how much value is in this course. Yeah. Five webinars. So that's... That's literally like, I don't know, $5,000 of value. Yeah. Just just that part. And that's that's like, you know, a lot of people have watched James for years or they've connected with his message. And it's like, this is a really cost-effective way for you to connect with him and ask him personal questions if you can't afford one of our live trainings. That's what I really like about this. Like, it's affordable for anyone. Mm. You know, uh, if you can't make it to live training yet, it's a way for you to be part of a community of like-minded guys and to be able to start taking action on this part of your life now. So how do people join the program if they're interested? So it's launching this Sunday, 17th of March. Um, it's only going to be open for a week because of this life aspect, because James will be active in the webinars and the Facebook group. So there's only a seven day window where it's open, then it's going to be closed. Uh, it has like, it's not just some marketing bullshit that we then open it again anyway. It's like really so James can start the course because obviously it's built up with the principles. It's building on top of each other. Like it starts with awareness. It goes to intent. Uh, so it's it's important that the students follow the curriculum in a way. Mm -hmm. And James is guiding them through it. So it's opening on the 17th of March in a few days. And to get all the infos about the launch... You just click a link in the description, just the first link you see in the description, and you will get an email about all the details. And you also get a free almost one hour video of James on stage demonstrating uh, elements of the five principles. Cool. All right. So get on board, click the link, and hopefully see some of you guys inside the program. All right. Bye. <laughs>